Hi, I'm Geraldine, owner and founder of Nudge Africa. We specialize in integral coaching, talent acquisition consulting, and executive search. One of the things I've been intrigued about uh, since the advent of COVID is how corporates and agencies are managing to get together with all the restraints that we have placed on us at this time. I know how important it is that that regular contact is maintained so that agencies have an idea of what challenges the corporates are facing, they know what they're battling with, what scarce skills they're looking for, and are able to be their eyes and ears in the market. So one of the things I thought of was making this podcast. I wanted to be able to bring those those key players in the talent acquisition industry to life. I wanted to bring them to your doorstep so that you can hear what they do, but more importantly, so that you can hear who they are. Because um, as I think you'll hear in the podcast um, following this, it's not about what an agency promises to do, and I know everybody that's worked with an agency will actually attest to this, it's about who's doing it. It's about how connected they are to the market, how well they understand the business. And so that was the aim of these podcasts. This is the first, and I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, Eric, and welcome to the first Nudge podcast. I'm hoping the first of many. Thanks, Geraldine, and uh, thanks for having me today. And um, Eric, if I look at your LinkedIn profile, you're calling, you have yourself there as the Africa Executive Search Partner of Holborn Advisory. Is that right? Yes, that's great, yeah. Now, I worked with you at Standard Bank, and I know trying to unravel all of the Holborn businesses was really quite a, a feat. So perhaps just for the people who are watching and listening, uh, you can just give us a brief overview of Holborn um, and where Holborn Advisory fits in. Sure. So Holborn Advisory is essentially the, the executive search and advisory business within the HRW Recruitment Group. Um, let me start with that. The HRW Recruitment Group, we're a group of about 25 consultants Great. Um, recruiting across um, levels from sort of your newly qualified up to, to senior executives. Um, we work across a number of industries um, and work across the continent. Now, Holborn Advisory is the business that specifically looks at the executive roles that come into the business. Yeah. And then also the works and projects where we need to um, assist a client to understand what the market looks like and to advise them on what does the market look like. And that's often where I say to people that a, a, a recruitment market is not as transparent as, as other markets often. It's about working with clients to understand what is possible in the market, what can be done, and, 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 and what's possible within, within budgets available. Um, so that's what Holborn is, and it's the it's the the executive recruitment and advisory brand that we go to market with. Okay, and you speak very specifically about being an executive search firm for Africa. Mm. So just talk to us a little bit about the experience you've had with recruitment on the continent, because that's so different um, often to yeah. you know how we experience it in South Africa. Yeah, I know it is, and I mean I think the 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 common mistake that that especially foreigners, but but even South Africans make is to see the continent as one place and, and as one common sort of yes. culture. Where I think working on the continent is 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 very much about understanding that it is different countries, that there are different cultures, and often it's not about necessarily understanding those cultures, although we do have a lot of insight into a lot of the, the countries, but it's just being aware that there are differences, and you can't always assume that what's going to work in, in, in Kenya is going to work in Botswana, 
or what's going to work in South Africa is going to work in Mozambique. Absolutely. Um, and there are often very big differences. And it's not even the, 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 the language necessarily, although there are obviously uh, language differences, but it's, it's definitely around culture. It's around what businesses see as normal. It's around what people see as normal and, and realizing that there are the, 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 all these differences when you go in and you don't just assume or try and impose your way of doing things. Absolutely. So I know um, that whenever you work on the continent, you do come across interesting cases. I mean, you know, maybe you can tell us about one of those, about sure. a company that you've worked with, a country that you've worked with and, and how that played out. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the very interesting ones we've had recently was we did a um, um, an executive MD role in financial services in Botswana. And um, the, the interesting thing about it was that, and we only picked this up afterwards, was <laughs> that um, the market's very, very small. And we had our first candidate sort of line up to do the interview and get ready to do the panel interview and then said, well, I've got a challenge because one of the individuals on the panel I know very well. We said, okay, it could be a conflict there. So we managed it to that candidate stepped away. And the second candidate sort of was ready for the panel interview and said, yeah, I definitely know somebody on the panel. That I, this is a problem. And I know them very well. So then they said, and we actually had all of our candidates that had the panel interviews all knew somebody on the panel. In fact, one of them was even related to a panel oh, member. Oh, no. So, so, yeah. And I mean, um, we were quite <clears throat> quite surprised and, and interested in this, but apparently it's quite common. And in, in, in some industries in Botswana, because they are so small and the execs have all moved around, everybody is knows everybody and has worked for everybody. So you can't avoid it. It's it's not like in South Africa where because of the size of industries, people can um, excuse themselves because otherwise you're going to have nobody doing interviews because they all know each other. So yeah. Oh, my word. And Botswana is very small yeah. um, in that regard. So yes, I think I, I came across the same problem uh, quite a few times where we had done some search work and the client that we were doing the search work for uh, could actually recognise a couple of his relatives yeah. <laughs> on the mapping and said, well, we better not bring them in. And I don't even, didn't even know they did this job. Mm. So really interesting. Thanks, thanks for that, Eric. So one of the things I really also wanted to to talk to you about was you worked for KPMG and you started in audit. You're a CA. Yeah. That's right. And then how did you get into recruitment? I mean, you were, when I met you, you were, um, you know, head of the enabling functions recruitment at Standard Bank. How did that, how did that work? I know yeah. that nobody I speak to gets into recruitment on purpose. Yeah. Everybody kind of falls into it by accident. So what was your story? Yeah, it was an interesting one. I mean, I was I was essentially um, at the at the the audit firms and a lot of the consulting firms. What happens is often the people who are in um, fee earning or, or client facing roles get involved in doing recruitment, and I um I did some of that and eventually had a had a secondment where I spent some time focused on recruitment, and did that for a couple of years and then moved back into to audit into bank audit. And um, subsequently actually decided I didn't want to be in audit and, and left the firm. And then they actually called me and said, listen, how would you like to come and run recruitment full time? And, uh, <laughs> and I sort of hadn't really thought about it. And I thought I would do it as, a, as an interim sort of thing and went in and, and, and really enjoyed it. And, and from doing the secondment, obviously knew a lot about it, but also found that it, it sort of worked for a lot of my my interests and a lot of my passions and I enjoyed it from there and then ultimately did that for, for KPMG for a couple of years and then moved across to Standard Bank in a role initially in a project or program role. I remember. 
Yeah, and um, worked on that for a while, which is quite exciting. We were sort of re-engineering the way the bank hires people across the sort of, I think it was to the, to the, the 30-odd countries at the time, and then ended up in a, in, a, in a head of recruitment role, operational role at the time. So, so that's how I got there. It worked quite well because I think um, having been in bank audits initially and having spent a lot of time in the banks, I could really relate to the clients and relate to what the guys were looking for. Um, very much in finance, but I mean, I worked when I was in audit, I worked across the banks. I understood the investment bank, the, the retail bank. So I could actually um, relate to the clients, understand what they were thinking, and often talk to them about what their, their real business needs were, and then, and then go out and, and, and find candidates who could help them. Great. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question, is that everybody talks these days about what transferable skills. Yeah. Um, we know that the jobs of the future are not going to look anything like the jobs today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's become really important is the skills that you develop, not the jobs that you have. Um, who would have thought someone could move from audit into recruitment? Mm-hmm. It seems like two totally different personalities, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, but what were the transferable skills? What did you learn in audit? What that became valuable to you, both as an entrepreneur and um, in the recruitment industry? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think I think a lot of the things I learned I probably just use every day, and I, I don't even don't even realise it. Mm-hmm. But I think if I if I if I sort of distill it a bit, it was probably a lot about the you know in audit you're very involved in 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 understanding your clients' businesses, and I mean a lot of people sort of also don't don't really get what, what it's about. But it's actually evolved over the years to to where now it's about understanding what a client's business is about, understanding where the risks in a client's business are, and then going to have a look how that client has addressed those risks and how they've they've managed those risks and not only from a financial statement perspective, but from a managing their business perspective. So having done had done that for, for, for I think it was an order for about seven years or so, having done that um, for a lot of clients, I could then do similar things when I go in from a, from a recruitment perspective. So Absolutely. actually, you know, briefing, having a discussion with the client and, and truly understanding how their business works. Because as I was saying to a client this morning, that helps me to then firstly understand what the right candidate is, but then also sell their business, which is what we do a lot of the time. Absolutely. Is, um, a candidate's, uh, the most common question I find is, well, why should, I, why should I consider this role? Or why would this role be right for me? And if I've spent the time understanding the client's business and truly understanding what their challenges are, what their risks are, what they're looking to do, I'm better able to sell the, sell the client. Absolutely, Eric. And you touch on such an important point there because I think um, the barrier to entry for recruitment agencies is, is very low. You mm. basically, I mean, in the old days, I would have said you had to have um, a landline a printer, I was going to say a fax machine, but that really dates me, <laughs> uh, but a, a landline, a printer and a computer. I mean, yeah. that was all you needed to have. These days, it's actually less than that. Yeah. So um, now I've lost my train of thought, which is perfect. <laughs> so just bear with me. But but basically, you were talking about really getting to know your client. Yeah. And um, I think that that's the skill the step that a lot of people miss. It's a huge part of what makes you successful as a recruiter yeah. is, is really understanding that client, really understanding how this hire will impact that client for better or for worse and really caring about that. So it, it was great to hear you yeah, um, talk I, about I that. Think it's, I think it's, under, um, it's undervalued in the industry by, by 
firstly recruiters that start out in the industry. Absolutely. And by a lot of clients, you know. I mean, I sometimes find clients also when we start to really explore and understand what their businesses are about. Sometimes they'll say, well, well, why is this important? And then we say, well, you want me to hire somebody to come in and run this business or to make a change in this business. It's very important I'm able to relay this to them and able to, 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 to um, explain it to them. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the key thing. And, and the number of, of our recruiters who, who, who are in early in their career and they'll go into a briefing and come out and I'll say, cool, what's the, what's the client's biggest problem right now? They say, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well... <laughs> Surely that's important. I mean, you, you're looking to bring somebody into their business. You want to understand what they're facing, where they are, you know? I know. I always say to people, and I mean, um, you know, using the analogy, for example, of going into checkers and saying to someone, go and buy me something. You might even say, go and buy me a, a bottle of coffee. Yeah. But if you're not saying, I really like a dark roast, um, I don't like the way this brand tastes, I like the way that brand tastes, um, I really want a big jar because I drink a lot of coffee, but I have a budget that's only this. If you, I mean, then the, the chance that they will actually come back with the right um, bottle of coffee is very, mm. very um yeah, unlikely. Yeah, no, no, it, it's a big. I mean, it's a big challenge, and I mean, we we've got we you often have it with clients. They'll just send you a JD and say, go and recruit for us. And a JD just for the people who don't understand a job description. Hundred percent, and I mean, so so they send us a job description or a role profile of what the person's going to do, and they say go and hire, and. Um, we we say we can't actually do that because, like you say, that's like saying go get coffee. And often it's it's also generic. You can see that. So Absolutely. I'm looking for an accountant. Go and find me some accountants. And we say, well, yeah, that's cool, but I can send you a thousand accountants and not one of them will be suitable for you because you haven't told me what you want them to do and what are your problems. So if you want an accountant, but you are mainly involved in – a manufacturing industry where you are have a huge amount of work in progress where you've got stuff that you've made that needs to be valued and you've got to value the and, and work out the costs on a big production line it's very different to an accountant in a bank or an accountant in a um, in a sales business um, so no you, you're 100% right that that understanding is important and it's that nuance that really helps you to fill those roles in the meaning with you know with someone who's going to make a meaningful difference um, that was one of the pet peeves that I had in corporate with agencies phoning up and going, how many roles do you have? Mm. Um, like, it's just pieces of paper that lie around. Mm. I'll, I'll give it to them and they'll, you know, magically be able to do something about mm. it. So um, you've owned and and um, run with Holborn Advisory for the last seven and a half years. Yeah. Uh, so that's a long time. You've had lots of client engagements, lots of candidate engagements. If you had the opportunity now to give clients one piece of advice um, about how they could work with you best. So mm. a piece of advice that perhaps you can't always give them face to face, mm. <laughs> but you just wish they knew. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think the I think the, the, the most obvious one, and, and you're right, we can't always tell clients as upfront is that, that if I can give clients advice and what's worked for us is where the clients truly partner with us. And I mean, it sounds cliched, but we, no, I, I think understand. I think our best clients are the clients who, you know, they call me up and they'll tell me something unrelated to, to what we're working on, but that assists us to understand the business. So it's around 
allowing us as much time to get to know their business, to get to talk about their business, to get to understand the bigger business, because then we're able to very easily fill in the gaps when they have them. Um, so it's a partnership. And, and you know, the, the, the real value comes out when a client says, listen, you know so-and-so is part of the business. I say, yes, no, I definitely know it. And I know they've faced this and I've known. And like, okay, he's looking for this. Cool. Now, how does that fit in with that? Oh, we hadn't thought about that. And actually be able to partner and work with them and then use our market-facing um, team, our, our candidate research team, to, to go and find the right candidates. And, and now I think that, that, that partnership is what makes most assignments we work on either fail or, or succeed. Absolutely critical, I agree. And I mean, to further the partnership idea, I mean, if a client isn't uh, coming on board doing the same um, sales job, as it were, when the candidate mm -hmm. goes in for an interview, then all of your hard work is wasted. It is. And I mean, you more and more find this, and a lot of clients, I need to actually tell them and brief them on it. And it, it seems obvious, I suppose, to us in the industry. But a lot of clients also need to realize that when, when we prepare pros a candidate to them or put a can in front of them. It's not always candidates that, in a, that, they, that are in the market. Absolutely. Um, you know, and often a client will say, yeah, we, we met those two candidates, but we don't really think they are, you know, they're not really, they didn't really say they're interested or why they wanted to join us. So they didn't really sell us on why we should <laughs> hire them. And I'm like, well, you must realize that they're not necessarily looking. It's sometimes, as a, in, in, especially in the scare skill space, it's a harder sell for the client than for the candidate. I agree. You know, if there's if there's five people in the market that can do a role, um, they don't need to sell themselves. Um, the clients need to be selling themselves. And yeah, you want to make sure the person will fit into the business, and you do need to understand them in that. But but you're right. I mean, more and more, it's about the clients need to realise that there is definitely an element of sales that they need to do. And we'll brief the clients on that. I'll say to them, look, I'm introducing so and so to you. Um, they're not convinced. I think the business is right for them based on what you've told me and based on what they've told me. And I'll say to the candidates, you know, look, I think it's a good fit, but I want the client to tell you that because it's more authentic. Um, and then you're right, the clients need to actually do that. They need to do the selling. Um, if they're not going <laughs> to sell it, I mean, yeah, well, we can, we can get the guys in the door and get them into a discussion. But the client then needs to also take them across the line. Absolutely. I mean, candidate experience has been such a, a trend for the last couple of years, mm. um, but I don't think people have got it right yet. Mm. Uh, you still have old school managers who treat candidates the same way they've always treated them, mm. as if those skills are ten, a, you know, ten to the dozen in the in the market. But they don't um, they don't realise how important the part they play in getting someone um, across the line is. Um, if we take the same question and we look at what you'd like to tell candidates, mm. um, <laughs> the thing that would, because I mean, I'm talking to people at the moment, so many people are literally out of work, uh, battling for time, um, you know, to actually get themselves in mm. front of somebody and be able to tell them what they do and they're desperate about it. Mm. Um, and they get no response uh, from agencies, no response from corporates. Um, and I know that it's not always the agencies or corporates fault sometimes it's it's the way the candidates putting themselves forward so if you had a piece of advice to give them what would you do what would you give them yeah no I, th I think I mean there's a lot of things we see that candidates um, maybe get wrong or don't don't realize about the process I think the the one thing I always say to candidates is they must see it as a journey not as a right. destination um, 
you know, we also say that candidates do need to realize they've got to put some time in. So, you know, if a candidate says to me, look, I don't really have a CV, but I'm really keen to, to find an opportunity. I'm like, well, do the first step. You've got to put something together. We'll help you to do it, but but I need you to do the first step. And um, it's amazing how many executives approach me and say, listen, I need to get into the market. I've got to make a move. And I say, send me a CV. And they never get back to me because they, they see that as too big a step. So, so often it's about put the effort in to getting your CV sorted out, asking for advice on it, um, making sure your public profile is sorted out, your LinkedIn, et cetera. So getting that stuff right. And then I say to candidates, they need to be authentic and they need to be honest. Um, and they need to be honest with um, with clients and with agencies. And um, not everybody else is going to be honest, but that doesn't mean you don't be honest, you know. So, Absolutely. so there are agencies and there's clients that are um, not going to always give them proper feedback, not going to always be completely honest. They need to realize that, but they need to be honest with them because it is a small market. And if um, if a candidate isn't honest completely, it could affect their future opportunities or future chances. So they need to be authentic with the clients, um, whether the role's not suitable for them or, or whether it is suitable for them. And, and with the agencies they're working with to tell them exactly what they're looking for and what they're not looking for. Um, and, and to approach it that way, you, they can have the most success, but it is still a tough Process. Oh, it's a tough process. And mm. I do feel, you know, especially with COVID, the number yeah. of people that are out there looking for work, it's hard. And it's you have to be quite vulnerable mm. when you put yourself forward and you send a CV and then not to hear back can be um, really soul destroying. But I like what you're saying. I mean, do the work. Make sure that the CV is right for the opportunity. Mm. Uh, don't send a covering letter that has the other company that yeah. you've applied to. Those kind of things. I mean, they, they, they really don't put you in the best light. We're coming to the end of our time, Eric, but I was really interested just to hear from you. There are all of these articles talking about the latest trends in 2021 mm -hmm. in, in the recruitment industry. And usually they come from overseas companies. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is what trend are you aware of that you think has been slow to take off in South Africa? So there's a trend, but really we're not doing it yet. Are you saying a trend in recruitment specifically? A trend in recruitment yeah. specifically, yes. Look, I think the whole candidate management um, process in recruitment could definitely be improved. I mean, you know, if you think about it, the um, candidates are getting more and more used to to using technology in everything they do, from, mm -hmm. from ordering food to come to your house to... Um, going on holiday. Going on holiday to booking Airbnbs, that sort of thing. I'm not saying you want to, you need to create an Airbnb app or, or, you know, I don't want to hear about another Airbnb of recruitment. But I think we need to, as, as recruitments learn that candidates do expect feedback fairly soon. They do expect to be kept in the loop. You know, you order your Uber and you can check that it's on its way and you can see how far away it is. And that's what we expect. I mean, there's a lot of certainty those. in that. Yeah, process. there's a lot of certainty and there's a lot of feedback loop. So so I think what, what what one of the trends that one of the things we need to get right more and I think that we need to to make sure we improve is, is that as candidates get this feedback and get this cool slick process in other parts of their lives. Um, we need to try and make sure that it's a similar slick process in recruitment. And that's through technology, it's through proper feedback, it's through authenticity, it's through all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that's going to be the big push going forward. Absolutely. And I mean, I know that it certainly is the intention of all of the companies that I speak mm. to. It's just harder in practice. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Sometimes. But, but I agree with you, one of the most important things to work on.
Eric, it's been fantastic talking to you. I mean, I know that we could go on for hours and yeah. hours. Um, but thank you so much for being the first person that I'm chatting to on this Nudge podcast. I mean, I must say it's taken a bit of getting used to for me. <laughs> I'm not used to these headphones. I'm not used to the microphones. But, um, you know, it's um, it's just lovely to be able to talk to you, to actually get your ideas on all of this and to let everybody else out there know what Holborn is all about. So maybe that we could end off just with you giving people an idea of where they can contact you if they're looking for executive search services. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, the, the most obvious is to go to our website, holborn.co.za. Uh, it's H-O-L-B-O-U-R-N-E dot C-O-Z-A. Um, all of our details are on there. They can e- reach out to us. And um, yeah, we would love to love to work and partner with, with new clients all the time. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here today. And hopefully we'll do another one with you um, a little way down the line. Definitely. I'm a, definitely. Maybe a bit slicker in this whole process. <laughs> but no, it thanks, really Geraldine. has been great to have a familiar face for this very first one. Thanks, Geraldine. And thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a great experience. Good. Thanks a lot. Lovely. Thank you, cool. Eric. Bye-bye. Cheers.